to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. My name is Chris Heine, and I'm just here to tell you what's happening this week. The residencies are both over, and Lindsay, Jenny, and myself are cruising around Iceland with a camper van type thing. You'll hear more about it on the podcast, but that's what's going to happen with this week's podcast and maybe a couple more after this. We will be reporting every night from inside our uh, mobile station and just bringing you a news about what's happening and the adventures we go on. So without further ado, I bring you the middle of the night in Iceland. Today is August 6th. Uh, we had a really interesting day today that ended up in a very unexpected ending. So this morning when we woke up, we woke up a little bit late later than usual you know in the last several days we've been waking up at 6 a.m. or 5 45 a.m. and getting ready for everything and this day we got up and had to do a little bit of cleaning before we left our guest house so it was kind of a sad farewell to our guest house because we normally would think about going back every single day we'd come home it was sort of familiar and today we knew we were leaving it for the last time for the last two weeks and so as we drove down the road, we stopped, we took a photo, and we said goodbye to the guest house, and got in the car ready for whatever was going to come our way for the rest of the day. So during the rest of the residency, we'd been talking a little bit about going to Landman and Lager. Um, I'm sure I'm saying it totally wrong, but it's a it's supposed to be this beautiful place up in the highlands that has beautiful rhyolite cliffs that are painted with multiple colors and you know great views, uh, stunning vistas. And after checking the bus schedule and realizing just how expensive it was, we sort of hung our heads and then filed into the car. And we needed to check the bus schedule because it is, it is far out there. It is not accessible to like the main road. So to get there, you have to cross rivers and, and all sorts of things. So we were looking into taking a bus there instead of driving, even though we have a car. And it's a little scary sometimes, because with a rental car, you never really know. I mean, with your own car, it would be hard to think about going through a river, let alone with somebody else's car. So uh, we got on the road, went uh, and just headed back towards Reykjavik. And there are a couple of towns that we've been passing over the last several weeks. Um, one is Volsfoller, uh, which has a tiny little market there. Jenny had to, to mail a postcard, and so we stopped really quick, got our coffees, checked out the local market. Chris sent some invoices. That's like a yeah. wonderful thing. And uh, we just looked at our itinerary for the day. Um, it was maybe about 11 o'clock in the afternoon, and we didn't really know where we were going. All we knew was that we were going to go towards the west first and then circle all around the entire country and then end back up in Reykjavik at some point. But um, we decided kind of halfway through that we were going to take one of the smaller roads. So we've normally spent, I don't know, every single day driving on Ring Road, mm -hmm. which is a big road that goes all the way around Iceland. It makes it very easy to go and see just about everything. And this time we decided to take a tiny little road that um, headed up towards the highland. And I believe it was... Uh, 26, just in case anybody <laughs> wants to follow our journey. So um, what was interesting about this is that for a while it was a regular road and then it turned into a dirt road. And so 
what we like to do, of course, is get a, a four-wheel drive car just in case things get a little funny sometimes. And we're like, oh, okay, no problem. We're going to get on the road. And as we're going, we, um, we drove a little bit. And uh, we ended up going and making a quick stop at Ephra Volchelier, which is like a tiny little section where there's sandstone caves that have been dug out. Jenny read the plaque. It was mm-hmm. kind of interesting because we were like, how, how and who would anybody, like, why would a person dig into the, a rock face <sighs> to make a little cave? Yeah, well, I was reading the plaque, and it's it's funny. It's sort of out of the way and hidden from everything else. It's actually behind a person's house um, currently. But the rock that's in the south part of Iceland is supposed to be incredibly soft on the inside, so it's really easy to carve with um, axes or any sort of weapon um so people were able to sort of carve away deep holes and this one i think was something like 40 meters or something crazy it's a big long hole um and then they built of course like escape routes and other things like that in case they needed to get out in case of a collapse um but the only reason that there's so many of these sort of built-in caves and stuff in the south is just this is the only area in iceland that has such soft interior rocks the rest of iceland is more like hardy lava rocks that would be impossible to dig into and we stayed there for just a little bit it's got a great cute little brook that runs by it and we were like man this would be a great place to have lunch or just to hang out with some people and draw or something like that so we jotted it down and then we got back on the road and so as we were heading up 26th um we decided that uh we were gonna kind of i don't know maybe just see how far we could go there's an area that's somewhere down 26 where we could turn around and we're like all right whatever we'll just go and explore so we kept going and we ended up having to uh (laughs) turn off to the right where we saw a sign and sometimes when you see signs in iceland of course if you don't speak the language you have no idea what it says so we found one that said drumabot <laughs> and we were like drumabot that sounds cute i wonder what that is and we turned off to the right and we were driving on a, a gravelly road for a while and we kept driving until we hit a river and we looked at the river and we went oh my god what where are we and what are we doing we looked around we couldn't see any hills or we couldn't see any formations we can't see any like signs or anything like that and so we asked Jenny to take her <laughs> shoes off <laughs> and ford the river and tell us how deep it was. So we said, Jenny, get in get in the river and see how it went. So how did that go? It was very, very cold. It was extremely cold. It was sort of icy water, probably from runoff from snow caps and other things like that. Um, so I walked to the river. It wasn't horribly deep. It was like calf level or something like that. So we got back or I walked all the way across and you guys had to drive and come pick me up. So you drove through the river, which was the first time you guys have driven through a river, right? We did drive through one, I think, last year. It was a little baby river. It was so tiny. It was like an inch deep. And we were like, we did it! Then we took a photo. And then it was still kind of nerve-wracking. So when we were at our um, rental car place earlier in the day, we had... Uh, or earlier the day before, we had picked up uh, a cuckoo camper. And what this is, is like a converted van that can house you. So actually, we're sitting in it right now. What we have is tiny little uh, sink, tiny little cooler, whatever that thing is. We're sitting at a table that you can take apart and put somewhere, and like the, the bench is turned into a bed. And so we have kind of a tiny mobile home. And there's a tent 
on top of the car that Jenny lives in. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. So Jenny lives in a tent on top of the car. She doesn't live in there while we're driving, but but we're excited to uh, to have her sleep in it tonight. So, um, but we've got this big honking van that we're driving around, and Jenny's on the other side of the river, and we're looking at her thinking like, you know, those people told us that we should only drive through a river if it's knee knee height or below, right? And we were like, well, why is that? And they were like, oh, you can drown your engine. And so, of course, we're thinking about it, and we're like, holy crap, should we do it? Should we turn around? And somehow, we psyched ourselves up enough to get through the river and drove all the way through it, picked Jenny up and rejoiced on the other end, only to find out that there were a couple more rivers <laughs> to get through. And so after driving through a couple more rivers, we came to the end of a sign where we realized that we were at Drumabot. And we looked around and we were like, what is this? And, and Chris went and he found a plaque and he read it. And, and what was it, Chris? Um, Drumabot is a like birch forest from this I think it was 700 BC no sorry 700 AD so it's not that old it's 1200 years old that's pretty old yeah I mean, well it's pretty 1200 old. year old from when they made that sign um but what it was was a bunch of kind of gnarled birch stumps in a wasteland of black sand which you wouldn't think would be anything exciting until you read the plaque right Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. I mean, the funny thing about it is, like, I was looking at it, and I was like, holy crap, how did these not decompose? And how are they still here after a billion years? Yeah, I don't know how. And I touched all the wood, and not all the wood, but I touched the wood, and it wasn't, like, petrified. No. It was just regular wood. it was soft. Yeah. 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 It had a lot of bend to it. And it was weird being there, and so we sat there for a little bit and had lunch. We used our camper stove for the first time, and... Just to give you guys kind of an idea of this, I don't know about you, Jenny, but Chris and I are not campers. We're not rugged wilderness type people. And we probably, maybe the closest I've ever gotten to camping is just wearing my clothes for like five weeks straight or something, like in college or something. But at the same time, we're like, we've got a tiny little stove. We've got our one pot and our one pan. And so we fired up the stove and and made some hot dogs. And it was amazing. And it was, <laughs> and we were like, we're real live campers. And then we got back in the van and then drove away. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, much. yeah, that was really good. So, anyway, we got back on the road and we headed up 26, um, destined for who knows where. And we kept driving. Uh, and then we realized that our radio broke. And we were like, well, that's crappy. And then we realized that the cigarette lighter broke. Which was powering all of our other stuff. So, like, our phones and, like, our, you know, uh, well, adapters was, and all the that. The plan was to power everything else. Well, so the, far, it had not powered pretty much anything because we had just started our trip. We had just started. Yeah. And, it, and it broke. And we were like, what is this? So, okay, it, back in 1995, I once had to change a fuse in a car, which is, like, the only thing I've ever done <laughs> with a car. But I was like, you know what, you guys? This, I think it's the fuse. So we took a gamble, went to a gas station, drove all the way back, and went in, and I'm looking through this Icelandic Toyota manual, <laughs> flipping around trying to figure out whether or not I'm going dis- to like dismantle something important, and we ended up changing the fuse after, I don't even know how long, a half an hour trying to pry one little fuse out of this fuse box, but I cannot tell you how excited and, and gratifying it was to have fixed a car 
<laughs> that was also the first time in my life I've ever done something that that uh, that epic feeling. Yes. And I was like, I have fixed this car. Yes. So then we instantly put on Marcus and Martinez. <laughs> <laughs> Which again, if you have no idea what that is, I found a YouTube video of two 10 year old boys singing and it was the best. It's like weird pop songs from, I don't even know where, Sweden or something. And so we put that on and we rocked out so hard and, <laughs> and we're still rocking out. I still have it as like an earworm just kind of like in my ear forever. So we did that, and uh, we were right around maybe about 2.30 or so, and we headed north, um, where all of a sudden all the cars left. There were no cars anymore, there was nobody except for us, and the sky was a little bit dim, and around us everything turned to be a little bit more rugged, and the road changed to an unpaved road, and we were like, wow, this is actually really nice. For the first time, we've also gotten off of Ring Road pretty substantially and so now you know the difference between driving on ring road and driving on any of the interior roads is that it's just you and as you're driving you feel like you are the only person that will ever be there or has ever been there and so of course there's a road there but we headed down until we drove near um there's a mountain over there that i think is called burfell and it is a huge kind of peak that comes up out of nowhere and right around there, we saw another sign for, um, I think it was Porsche Foss. Sure. I sure. Think. And there's a there's a couple other ones. Troll, Kanulap, nope, <laughs> and Lirubaki, none of which I can pronounce. <laughs> or pronounce. But anyway, we were by Burfell and we saw a, a sign that pointed us in a direction and we ro- drove down it. So... For the second time, we're testing our vehicle here. All around us are black, pointy lava shards, or like lava rocks. Um, we saw a, a shredded tire by the side of the road, and I'm sitting here thinking like, this is great that we're out here by ourselves, but this also is really terrifying, because if we shred a tire out here, we're gonna be out here for a long time. Um, so we're driving down this thing, and we're bumping around on the road, and we drive for maybe about, I don't know, what, a half an hour or so? until we come to one stop where we parked the car and we got out we could hear the rush of water but we couldn't see anything quite yet and as we stepped over the electric fence and tried not to electrocute our crotches <laughs> we ended up skirting down the side of a sandy peak until we saw a massive amount of tide pools alongside a great rumbling river so this river carved around Burfell and down to the side and we stood there for a second kind of taking it all in and trying not to get not to get wet because there was tons of like dewy, I don't know, plants everywhere. Yeah, wet, wet plants everywhere. Wet plants everywhere. And as you look down, you could see a ton of different tiny little succulents, little tiny plants, mosses, lichen. Um, everything was growing in abundance over there, and it was absolutely beautiful. And so we poked around there for a little bit skirted back uphill and all of a sudden came around a bend and realized we were standing at the top of a massive waterfall that was pouring over the side of a cliff right in front of this giant mountain down to a valley that kind of swooped over to the right and it was just incredible so the mountains of course in Iceland um, anytime you get a lot of atmosphere between yourself and between the things that are out out in the distance they turn purple and so there were shades of purple going back for miles and miles and miles you know until you couldn't see them anymore 
And we were sitting here with like all of these acidic greens and red flowers and pinks and magentas and grays and whites and all of these different kinds of plants kind of sprouting up in the lava rock around us. And of course the black, black sand. So we walked around um, for quite a while and I don't know about you guys, but it felt pretty darn awesome to be mm -hmm. out there. Yeah, the, the waterfall itself was humongous and, and really amazing. It had like multiple um, kind of f multiple falls, I guess, within this one waterfall. Even so much as having caves underneath it that it must be leaking into somehow. So there was small waterfalls coming out of caves underneath the big waterfall and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Um, and it was really cool and it was just as impressive as a lot of the waterfalls that we see along Ring Road, but the difference is we were there for, I don't know, an hour and a half maybe? Yeah. And we did not see anyone on our drive in, on our drive out, or while we were there for, so for, you know, three hours or whatever, um, there wasn't even a sign of another person at all. Yeah. So I don't even know, I mean, I'm sure one of those names you read was the name of the waterfall, but it also wasn't on our map, it wasn't on our right. guidebook, it wasn't anywhere. Like we. I'm going to guess that it was the one that you pronounced the worst in the middle. <laughs> I can't remember what you <laughs> well, said. Well, there's one with a foss at the end. Pure yeah, foss. So I assume it's the one. Pure the, foss? I don't know. Pure foss? I don't know. I'm assuming it's know. that one. Yeah. But it well, also didn't even have the iconic, like, um, point of interest kind of um, hashtag thing that all the, I don't know, hashtag's the wrong word, but pound symbol. I don't know. Iceland has that. Like clover pound symbol, yeah, pound symbol clover kind of letting you know where points of interest are. And it, I don't think it had one of those. It was just, it looked like one of the, the normal, usually there's signs that say um, there's the, the names of the family or the names of the mountain. And it looked like one of those. Yeah. It was uh, one of the things that I really liked about that place and a lot of the places in Iceland is uh, you're walking in like a desolate location nothing is there you can't hear anything see anything and you turn a corner and there it is and it's sort of the same thing you couldn't hear the waterfall until you were right up by the edge you didn't even know it was there and so it's always a really nice surprise sort of peeking over something and you feel like you do feel like the first person to ever come across it and it's nice because you finally can let go you know you're there, you're not worrying about who's behind you or who's in front of you or where you have to be or what's happening, you know. I'm like finally at this moment in our trip, just kind of chilling out, not worrying about my schedule, you know, and just kind of being. And we stayed there for quite a bit. We took a ton of photos, we walked around, we thought about how nice it would be to come back, you know, it's all those, all those things. But we just climbed around for a while. So at that point, we had, it was nearing 7 p.m. We had stayed there for quite a while, and we went back down the road, and just maybe five minutes after leaving, like, we found a, a turnoff to go towards this uh, glacier that has a little tiny, um, like, you can see the mountain, you can see the glacier on top of the mountain, um, and then all around it are just sandbars and sandy cliffs just tons and tons of sand just sort of swooping down and making these great dunes everywhere and it's almost this like porous rock it's all volcanic rock of course but it's tan mm -hmm. and peach and all sorts of and it like, feels, mustard it feels colors. different than a lot of the other volcanic it's rock. incredibly like, light yeah like, like they range in density and this one feels light and it also feels like 
bark or something. You know what it feels like? like? You, you ever had one of those chocolate bar, those chocolate things that are, it's like a, it's like a nougat. It's like chalky. Chalky thing dipped yeah. in, in chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I'm saying it totally yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no, no. Like a, or angel, angels. It's like angel food candy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like light and airy and, and kind of styrofoamy. Yeah. Like it was sort of like that. And so, of course, coming back from this place, it was just super hard, dense, like pointy rocks. And coming to this place, which was almost like popcorn all over the place, it was really interesting. And we, Chris ran off, of course, like he likes to do. And he ran and ran and ran and found a hill that led to a tiny valley where there was a little stream and a little brook going through with sheep all over it. And it was just picturesque and, and awesome, just amidst this entire gravel field. And so... I carried my giant bag of snacks around with me and enjoyed the view. <laughs> and then we got back in the car and um, directly across the street from this, we pulled over and we saw another tiny little waterfall. And so it's funny, like Jenny was saying, when you're out here, you, I don't know whether or not we just stop more frequently or if, or if it's just because we don't know what's around the corner that we just pull the car over and just look for stuff. Or if there truly is just an abundance of things in Iceland to look at. But, you know, I felt really excited by the fact that we just five minutes away, just make our way and hop from cool thing to cool thing to cool thing. Yeah, well, it's funny. We, so we decided to turn ra- turn the car around and go see the sand dunes and stuff. But we hadn't even seen the waterfall that was directly across the street. We didn't see it until we were getting back in the car and facing the road again that we even knew that there was a waterfall in the distance it was crazy and so as we kept going we we looked at the map again and by this time it was about 7 30 and you know it doesn't really get dark here but it was late enough that we were trying to figure out where we're going to spend the night and we kept going um and all of a sudden we find a fork in the road and we pull over and look at the signs and it's got a giant map and it says this way to land manilager and we looked at each other and then we looked at the map, and we thought, like, how did, how did we get on a road that could head to Land Manilager? I thought we just took some other random road somewhere. And we looked back at the map, and it said, of course, like, this is an F road, and it's it has river crossings, and you should only go with a four-wheel drive vehicle. And it had all these, all these signs and all these things around it, you know. And you then know. after the sign, if you look down the road towards Land Manilager, there was these big exclamation points that are like... Do not sure? go here. Are you sure yeah. that you want to do this? <sighs> yeah. And we thought, like, oh, my God, what do we do? And for whatever reason, we looked off beyond all the crazy signs and beyond the exclamation points, and we saw a mountain in the distance. And all of a sudden, I had the best feeling of my entire life. And I was like, this mountain is calling to me. <laughs> and I turned to Jenny, and I said, I, I feel that feeling. And then she's like, think I know what you're talking about (laughs) and we looked at it I was like okay all right and so we like gritted our teeth we started off down the path and we're very nervous and we drove through a big black desolate rocky area for a very long time and Jenny Jenny after a while was like this isn't that bad and Chris of course turned to her and was like I don't know if you should be saying that quite yet (laughs) you're gonna get jinxed but as we drove, we passed some smaller cars. We, we passed cars that were obviously not four-wheel drive, and we thought, like, if they could do it, we could do it. And we drove and drove and drove, and it went and took us closer to the mountain that we had been staring at, and it went up a hill 
we went through giant peaks of all these sharp rocks um, and we kind of scooped around for a while and as we were there we kept looking at our map and thinking like how, how far away can this be and we looked at it and we we're like oh 30 kilometers that should take a half an hour right <laughs> that should take a half an hour and we're driving and we're driving and it's 8 30 and we come upon like one like scoop over a hill and as we come over the hill we see at the very bottom a river and we're like holy crap this is the river this is a river that we're going to get stuck in and this is the one where our van is going to tip over and we're going to drown and all of our chocolate that we bought is going <laughs> to just float away and we thought like how how are we going to do this is this the river this the big river this is like not the name, but the this, the biggest river that we had to cross. This is the river. Okay. I think we crossed. Didn't we cross the small one first? Uh, yeah, but I did not write it down. So you should chop this part out because no, it doesn't matter. Okay. So, um, so we went and we came up over a hill and we saw the river and our stomachs dropped. And we thought, what are we gonna do? We should send Jenny out there into the middle of the river. Well, not only were we there, this is one of the first times where there was like a congregation of people. There was probably four other cars or something. Two all, on one side of the river, yeah, two, two on, on our one, side. Two and two, who also were just parked in front of the river looking at it and being like, what do we do about this river? Because it was really big and it was really looked deep. And it was really fast moving too. And it was fast moving. It, it was probably what would you say about forty feet wide. Does that seem normal? Forty, fifty, um, probably. Sure, I don't. It was wide. It was wide. It was really wide. And it was there was a narrower area, of course, but it looked like it had some crazy rapids yeah. on it. And then we looked down one area, and we were standing there for a second. And Jenny sighed, and she put on some weird socks that one of the people left off. <laughs> well, I, I learned my lesson from the first river crossing, that the rocks are incredibly pointy, and you can get through the river faster if you put on socks. <laughs> so I put on these socks, and I hiked my pants up. I, of course, am wearing stretchy pants, so this is not <laughs> terribly difficult. But as I was walking through the river, I was having a hard time standing up, and I was also feeling it get higher and higher and higher and I think at the midway point it was like the middle of my thigh so easily like three three and a half feet tall which is a big deal wait okay I don't know if that's three and a half feet tall but mid thigh on Jenny who is five foot five <laughs> it, it was very high I mean, it was very high mid thigh is like more than half your body <laughs> Whatever. So, but but the the crazy thing was is when we, as we all know, all this water comes from a very cold source. Yes. And so not only are your feet getting pointed from the bottom, and you have to deal with like the rush of the water, but as you step in there, you're in there for just 15 seconds, and your legs start to freeze up. Yeah. And not just freeze up like it's cold, but freeze up like your muscles like you stop can't working. Move. Yeah. yeah. It was tricky. So I finally made it across the river where the other cars were waiting. And I saw a man trying to cross in an area, just with his waders on, trying to cross in an area that was a little bit narrower. So I tried to walk that area too. And it was so rapid that it was impossible to stand up. It was really tricky. So we waited and then a man 
flew over the hill in a jeep and did like a wheelie in the, <laughs> did a little loopy in the, in the river. He just was scooting all around it like it was nothing. And we watched him with our mouths open and we thought like, what is this guy doing? And of course, you know, we're all staring at it, trying to figure out like what to do, what, yeah. he, what he's doing. And he drove around in a very wide loop, almost on the banks and then there was kind of a sand dune. He drove up on the sand dune and then back down. So in, an, in a C shape all the way around. Yeah. And we were like, is that the way you do it? Yeah. So he pulled over and actually told all the cars and all the people who were waiting that he's like, I've crossed this river five times today. This is the way you got to do it. You'll be just fine. Um, so we waited to let all the other cars cross just to make sure it seemed like a safe thing and to sort of get down the well, he maneuver. Well, he said, you'll be fine to the people with like cars more similar to his and then he looked at ours and said i don't know about yours <laughs> but there was the exact same car across the river waiting to come our way from the exact same rental company. from the exact same rental it was the literally the exact same car with the exact same accoutrements and everything so we were like let's let them go first <laughs> and if they have float down the river then we will not float down the river and they made it, and it was funny because they, they went and they got to the other side. We applauded them, and they all rolled down their windows, and there was 45 <laughs> Italian people in the car rejoicing, and they looked at us and they said, they said, you can do it! We will, you can do it! And we, oh, we'll wait here for you! And we were like, wow, that's awesome! And so our spirits were lifted, and then we looked at each other, and we were like, well, these people are waiting for us to cross the river. I suppose we should do it. And then we got in the river. And so Chris... And was terrifying. Yeah. As you were driving, how did that feel? Um, it always is like a weird stomach-sinking feeling when we do some of the more deep rivers, and so it was. it's definitely nerve-wracking. Um, this one it's kind of counterintuitive because you feel like you want to go fast and you just want to get across the river in the shortest distance possible. Um, and usually we go really slow because if you go too fast, it will splash your engine. So we were going really slow, but this one, he also had to go in kind of at a right angle and cross to like this sandbar that was up river. And then at the sandbar, take a perfect right angle to the left. And then, um, and then go across the river there. So it just feels writ like you're just marching to your doom because you're driving into the river upriver first instead of across the river. Um, but I think across the river would have been too deep. So we had to kind of like go up the river a little bit. So um, I don't know. It felt fine. We did it and, and nothing happened. But it felt like we were in there for a really long time, even though I'm sure it was 10 seconds. We all got to the other side, of course, and then we stopped the car for a second and looked at each other, and we went, I can't believe we did that. And then we got out and waved at the Italian people, and they all jumped up and down, and then we and bid then them we, adieu. Yeah. yeah, we bid them adieu, but just as we did, a, and then, an ambulance came flying behind us, and we were like, oh my god! <laughs> and so they were headed somewhere on the yeah. inside, we were like, okay, this is real, yeah. real life but stuff. for the next ten minutes, we looked at each other, and we said... That was against our better judgment. <laughs> we should have, we should have turned around and went straight back home. It's like every single ounce of your your thoughts is like, I don't know. But about let's this. be clear: to get to this point, how long did we drive? Hour and a half. Pro at least. At least. So we're going thirty kilometers. So far, we went about halfway, and it took an hour and a half. So our <laughs> alternative was to turn back and drive an hour and a half out. Through pointy rocks. Through pointy, like it was incredible. I mean, uh, the average speed that we had to go just to keep the car. It was 12 from, miles an hour. 
No, 12 kilometers an hour. I thought you were going tw- tw- whatever. We were okay. going less than that because oh, it yeah, took maybe, us yeah. like three hours. Yeah, I guess I was averaging kilometers. 20 kilometers an hour. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, it's Which 30 kilometers. is really slow, but we even at that speed, there was it. points where it was just like, it felt like the car was about to fall apart. So night was falling fast, and we had probably maybe only, what, five minutes left of daylight. We watched the sun kind of disappear behind the the hills, and we got to an intersection where we weren't really sure whether or not we were supposed to turn off. When you look at some of, like, the the Guide to Iceland or the, you know, um, Lonely Planet Guide or anything like that, you look for the maps that make the most sense, but even the maps don't make sense when you're taking a look at, like, a wild, crazy uh, location with everything that looks the same, and all mountains seem like they're the biggest mountain on the map. And so we did a little turn at a roundabout and stood there for a little bit, wondering whether or not we were at Landmannalaugar or whether or not we were ever going to make it there. The road that we stopped by had a a tiny piece of twine through it with a a no-cars signal on it. And we were in a, a wildlife reserve, and so we couldn't really just park the car and sleep here, although we do have facilities to sleep here. Um, it was against the law, or it was against like the, the rules of the nature preserve. So we sat there feeling a little crappy after having gone maybe, what, an hour and a half, two hours? Maybe at this point. At that point, it was probably two hours. We probably spent a good 20 minutes at that river trying to figure out how to cross it. Yeah, and we sat there, and the sun disappeared, a big orange streak kind of made its way across the hills and as we sat there a giant search and rescue vehicle came up behind us and we went what's that doing there and the guy just came by and he rolled down his window and he said where are you going and we were like land manalog and he's like oh follow me and we were like oh so our our spirits (laughs) brightened a tiny bit as we followed this humongous monster truck down the hill of course those guys had bigger tires and like a a, probably a better vehicle than we did so we watched it um kind of peter around in front of us missing potholes and heading up this giant slope and our little van can't hold or it can't hold a pace with that big thing so soon it was disappearing in the distance the ambulance that we talked about before sped past us and we followed that for a little while and soon enough we came to the end where we were probably just a couple i don't know a couple miles away from land Manalager and realized that we had reached the point that we had tried to reach this entire time. Three hours later, we were standing here right at the edge of it, and we descended into the valley, and we saw signs for Land Manalager, and of course it was dark. We were kind of trying to make sure we didn't get a, a flat tire, or didn't crash in anything on the way here, and we came down here to see a sea of tents. There were tents for at least a mile, just tons of people. That's a mile, don't you think? No, I don't think so. Really? <laughs> There's probably like uh, what's six, all this? Sixty tents. All right. Well, maybe not not a mile, but there was a quite a bunch. So Landmanalager Hut can hold about seventy five people, and so we knew for a fact that those were booked out solid because we had called in advance to see if we could get a spot. So seventy five people are sitting in here in like a little lodge. The rest of the people, sixty tents or however many tents, and then a bunch of camper vehicles were around here, and so. With the backdrop that looked incredible, even in nighttime, we saw like snow pockets that kind of laid between all of these different cliffs. We can see it now, even looking through the window. Mm-hmm. And it was crazy because we hadn't seen anyone for this entire time besides the people that were on the river. So to see a sea of people 
here in one spot, all right. just about to go to bed. We were like, what? Right. Well, we couldn't see people. We can see tents. So, but to see like these signs of life. Also, um, I would say that the, the tents themselves, um, I guess to describe the base camp, it is a big group of tents nested around a couple small buildings. Um, and they're in the, the middle of a valley between giant painted mountains. Um, so it's kind of like this uh, very interesting, it felt very almost like Game of Thronesy when we came here because we were walking in the dark and of course it's only dark for two hours a night and the dark isn't like a true like pitch black dark. It's kind of just like the sun is dipped behind the horizon but it will come back in a second dark. But it was dark and we were walking and it was kind of like just imagining walking through a camp you know like a like mm-hmm. a bandit camp like a no or like a army camp or something like mm-hmm. a like um and there is a lava flow with these craggy mossy rocks that comes right up to the base camp so like there's this i don't know it's probably like a 20 foot wall of craggy just like just a craggy wall that is along the back of the camp so as we walked up it was just this really bizarre thing with this almost like castle wall, but it, it's a, a natural man, or a natural lava made wall, mm-hmm. and Not then all these like little tents pitched around. You could see little lights of a couple people who were awake and and a few people running to and fro or whatever. But it just was very quiet. You know, it was like this immense nature, and then there was just this small pat- pocket of like activity and people kind of living in this little zone. And as we got closer, we had to go you know beyond our our camper van we got out and we said okay well we we have to pay and so there was a little hut up there that we started walking to and realized that just 20 feet away from our vehicle were two more rivers that some people had crossed somehow with their tiny cars across here and we were like no 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 yeah so we went over and we we climbed over a couple bridges that they have made here there's a bunch of wooden bridges that that span the entire expanse so land manilager um not only has this mossy crazy mountainy situation but it also has a ton of of natural pools like hot geothermal pools just everywhere in this valley and so the ground is steaming we can see it in the night and we can we can walk between all of these little planked areas kind of in a maze all the way up to the guest house or the the hut Mm -hmm. and so as we were walking we saw some people bathing in the in the river over here we saw the steam rising up. We can see the tents to our left. We can see the wall to our right. It was really super interesting. It was like ghostly for some reason. It, it was. was a very blue, dark, but almost like TV shot for dark night kind of thing where they shoot in the day but put a blue filter on it kind of. And it was crazy. So we, of course, after traveling for a million years, headed straight to the restroom and we walked in there and it was <sighs> intense. And so huddled around a couple sinks in here were just tons of people half undressed, some people with towels it was steamy in there, bustling activity, all the people, all of the silence that we had seen outside was completely shattered by the <laughs> fact that everyone was in there, you know, spitting in the sink, using the bathroom the toilets were flushing, it was just obviously where everybody w- wanted to hang out or something like that Yeah, and, and it's a small building probably the size of a garage or something um but it has all the restrooms for men and women and the showers for men and women and it's just one room uh, with sinks in the middle um so in this thing there was men women children old people young people uh 
and the stall doors for some reason they're really tall and heavy so it's just like this constant slam this it's very this uh, I don't know puts you on edge I feel like because it's just like these slams non-stop of people going in and out of the stalls and it was <laughs> it was like we have finally found civilization <laughs> I was like we have finally found my worst nightmare <laughs> yeah so this place is the worst but the bathroom not land man logger <laughs> of course not land man logger so we um we walked around everything was closed we walked back to the car and here we sit eating our dinner <laughs> enjoying our our um browning bananas and our uh salami tortilla sandwiches and uh whatever else we ate tonight and enjoying our first night uh so far in the camper van so we'll see how it gets tonight, how cold it'll get, and how Jenny likes sleeping in a tent up at the top of a van. <laughs> but it'll, be, it'll be great. The it'll ladder great. is down. There's a ladder leading up to it. And so she's got to climb up a ladder with all of her stuff and then get in the tent on top of, like, a, what, eight-foot van? Yeah. Yep. Yep. And enjoy it. And, and we'll see. I'm curious see. to see if the wind is just going to, like, be a sail with that thing up and just pull our <laughs> Jenny will fly around. away. Fly yeah. away. Yeah. yeah. I might. You might. Well, we'll see how it goes. So tomorrow morning we're going to set off on a big adventure. Finally, we'll be able to see this place with all the lights, uh, the light by the light of day, and we'll see what it's all about. So we've seen postcards. We've looked it up online. Um, we're hoping for the best. Good night. Good night. No. It's August 7th, and it's about 11.30 p.m. We're sitting inside our camper at Moss Fells Bar at a, a really nice uh, campground. Yeah, you'll probably notice in the background there's less monster trucks, engines, and things like that going on. Because <laughs> less monster trucks. At uh, Land Manalogger, it was um, Monster Truck Central. It was Monster Truck Central, but only in random parts of the day. But I noticed it was during our podcast. Oh, it was. <laughs> Everyone that drove by, I was like, uh, whatever. It's because the monster truck rally that just happened to happen. To just happens happens to be <laughs> everywhere all the time. But we actually had a pretty pretty awesome day. Um, we woke up this morning and everything was bright. It was sunny. It was absolutely gorgeous. It was freezing cold. <laughs> We were in the van, um, freezing to death as we started, warmed up a little bit of tea in our, in our sweet, sweet camper. And, um, as we piled on the layers, we decided that today was going to be the day that we walked the land manilogger paths. And after a slow start, we finally got out around 11 o'clock and went up to the information booth and like good citizens decided to pay our camping fee from arriving too late last night to do anything. So uh, we were met with a lady who had a, a huge bandana on, and her hair was coming from the top of her head over her, her bandana, cascading <laughs> down her face. And with a stony look, but a, a matter-of-fact uh, voice, she gave us one of the, the nice maps there, which was, I think, three krona. 300 krona, yeah. Oh, yeah. 300 krona and which is <laughs> three krona three, would be like 0.3 cents yes it would be 0.3 cents but it was it was cute it was a, a watercolor illustration of the entire area with all the the trails marked and she pointed out a couple of the good ones that would take maybe two hours three hours to do and 
kind of looked over his shoulder and said, that's the way. And so we thanked her and we, we paid for all of our stuff. And then after <laughs> quickly making it, uh, probably, I don't know, 50 feet down the path, we all decided that going to the bathroom was a good idea. And this is... <laughs> Quote, good idea, because of the horrible bathroom, but yeah. Yeah, but um, after after our quick pit stop, we started back again, and just a short ways away, we saw what looked like... Well, I'm going to envision, or I'm going to imagine it as what Mount Everest Base Camp might look like. There were kind of these round, um, inflatable airplane hangar looking tents oh yeah there yeah. were there was like a whole um strange looking uh like camper or not a camper it was like a like a trailer type thing with a makeshift fence and a couple dogs and a ton of horses just hanging around i know there's probably not horses in mount everest but you know the the whole place yeah it was sort of a makeshift village that there was only a few buildings, but all the buildings were very strange and obviously ported in somehow. Somehow. One, yeah, one was like an inflatable like hanger. Round, yeah, mm-hmm. round inflatable thing with a door at the front and no windows, a door at the back. And then there was another one that looked like the wood had been ancient, just kind of cobbled together, real short, real uh, industrial looking. And then um, just surrounding that, we saw that there was actually horse rental over there which was interesting. Um, We walked past about a five-foot-high pile of manure (laughs) on our way to the hill. Um, And as we got downwind of it, we we saw the rest of the horses and started started walking towards um, a path that suddenly opened up and showed, like, the the side of a cliff that was this interesting tealy, greeny blue color. And... This was one of the first times that I've ever seen something like that. I, I feel like it was uh, almost unnatural looking, this kind of green-blue. Yeah, it looked kind of chemically or something. Mm-hmm. And it was it was funny because we started to turn right, and we saw a tiny brook running alongside this really green-bluey mountain. And as we, we went by, we could see the floor just covered in all sorts of different types of minerals and different rocks. There were colors um, from every single mountain that was over there. There were red ones, black ones. We saw um, uh, plenty of, what's that What's that thing? Oh, shoot, I have a pocket full of them. The green? The black ones. Oh. Obsidian. Oh, yeah. Obsidian? <laughs> <laughs> I have a pocket full of rocks, and I just happen to have a pocket full of obsidian now. But there were super glassy black obsidian rocks. There were, like, pink and red and beige and, you know, all these different colored stripes just littering the ground next to this stream. And we walked for a while, and the best part about this, as we were going along, is we realized that we hadn't seen anybody for a very long time. And we walked just a little bit more and until all of a sudden before us came spilling out this massive lava field. And we've seen a couple lava fields in our travels mm-hmm. so far, but this one was a little bit different. This lava field was just dark, dark and black. There was tiny little bits of moss, but not a ton of moss around it. Right. And this mm-hmm. lava field extended from what we talked about yesterday, which was the the wall of lava. So this is part of that. Mm-hmm. And as But we, now we were into it instead of just being an an unascendable wall of 
lava. Right. And this this area in particular is a little bit different than the ones that we've seen in the past. It wasn't just on the ground. It was stacks and stacks of lava that would like cover our head at times. Yeah. And I was, I took some photos of, and we'll see if they look like anything because it's like black on black on weird colors. But um, there was giant spires that just like shot out and they were like, if you fell on them, you would be skewered. But with a hole the size of a a truck bigger than you yeah i guess (laughs) a hole bigger than you are yeah and as we walked past this um we were probably maybe 40 minutes into our hike or so and we turned the corner again and in front of us rose up this massive red pink maroon and kind of white looking mountain um, yeah, and I think you say massive a lot probably in these podcasts, but this one was like... Particularly massive. Particularly massive. Um, it was like somebody just took a dump truck of... Colorful rocks. Colorful Actually, stones. But they all fell in a various pattern. It wasn't just like a mix of it. It was kind of like a cascading red to yellow to green or whatever. Have you ever seen any of those races where, where people have that colored powder and they throw it at the runners? Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the color run? I was actually thinking of, like, you, you know when you used to make sand, sand jars yeah, and sand you'd, jars. like, layer in the sand? That's exactly what it looked like, just, like, on its side. It did, and, and we looked up, and you could see a yellow streak in there that was all sulfur. And from the sulfurous area, there was a big plume of, of sulfury smoke coming out of it. We could see people in their bright jackets kind of circling the top, looking into the pit. And, you know, from 100, 150 feet away, everybody looked like tiny little blips and this big, huge plume of steam coming out of it. Um, stinky steam. It's really stinky steam. But we were we had our, our walking poles. We were all kind of shuffling along the side of this. And so far, we had really just walked maybe on fairly flat ground. And as we looked up towards this sulfur thing, we realized that the next like of our journey was going to be up a pretty, pretty darn steep um, incline. Mm, yeah. And so we took our, our best, I don't know, footings, and we tried to, like, kind of wind our way up there. We were climbing above the lava. We were climbing mm-hmm. into little crevices on top of rocks. Um, we had the, our poles that we were using, our trekking mm-hmm. poles, kind of jabbing into rocks and <laughs> trying to help us get up this thing as we followed the trail up there my pole was on my back like a cool ninja turtle (laughs) my pole was on the ground i needed needed both hands to use my camera so i did not use my pole but i kept it the whole time and i thought about it was pretty cool to have a weapon on my back pretty cool well it was useful (laughs) for Lindsay and i we at times we had to scale over ice and snow and other things like that this was really steep i if i would have put my hands out i would have been on all fours yeah, and it, I mean, it was interesting. We've used our poles before at Bryce Canyon. We had mm-hmm. them out. I mean, it really is nice to have, like, multiple points of contact as you're kind of going up this thing. And mm-hmm. just all over Iceland, the rocks are interesting because some are super solid, but around the super solid ones are almost this, like, like dusty, kind of gravelly, you know, super light dirt that just happens to fall away from you. So you're constantly testing your footing and you're tapping things and you're kind of trying to shuffle up the side. And so we got closer and we turned around for the first time because we had just been so focused of getting up this mountain and trying to get to the sulfur thing that we turned around to re- like realize there was an entire valley that spilled out beneath us 
There was a winding river. The, the brook, the tiny brook we had walked by near the green mountain had turned into a full kind of snaking, almost dragon-like shape. And behind that were the purple mountains just, you know, spilling out forever and ever and ever. And it was interesting because we were seeing this between two massive mountains, the, the red and pink and white one, and then the black and green and gray one. And it was such an amazing sight. And here we are halfway up a mountain. We're looking at this and realizing we've actually made it to Land Manilogger. We had no idea that we would be able to show up there, even though, you know, a couple times we thought maybe it was a possibility. But we carried on and went up and took a little walk around the, the stink zone up there. Um, and again, it's, it's amazing colors. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you, you'd see all these, like I collect a bunch of rocks at home. And so I've got this big shelf full of different colors and shapes and things like that. But you never really think too hard about where they came from. Right. Like, well, oh, a crystal or all, oh, you know. Yeah. Well, the area around the, the sulfur, or the vents were, was really interesting. It was the same color as like straight out of the tube. It was really, really potent colors, not only potent smell, but these sort of really bright and craggling like chartreuse colors. or yeah like... it was really strong and um you were able to walk right up to them the entire ground was smoking and so you could sort of see little pockets and holes where the smoke was filling up the air and we walked up just in time for it to blow in our direction <laughs> <laughs> and i was like oh great i'm probably stinky already and now i'm extra stinky but i looked down at this and it was interesting because all of the the um, steam that's coming out, I'm sure, creates mineral deposits on everything around it. And so this sulfur is coming up, coating the rocks around mm-hmm. it. And we looked in some in an area that looked particularly wet, and it actually had formed these almost moss-like or crystal-like areas. And it was really beautiful, you know, this these super bright yellowy chartreuse colors surrounded by red and, you know, and all that. So... We turned back around and headed back up the mountain and scaled another area that was really gravelly and kind of crazy. Um, There was a point where, again, there was a huge piece of snow or like a field of snow that was melting. And you could tell that at one point, maybe earlier in the year, somebody had made a pathway through that. But we were looking for the markers, you know, and with a trek like this, I mean, this one's not a crazy one by any means, but it's, I mean, it was, it was tough. Mm -hmm. Um... But you're constantly looking for the markers everywhere. Yeah. Well, especially when you're climbing over lava and piles of things, it is really easy to lose track of, like, it's essentially like a paint stir. It's like a small stick with a tiny dip of paint on the end. <laughs> and so it's it's tricky when you're moving. And there was a couple times where one of us would spot the marker after we had already been going another direction. And so I can plenty, imagine, yeah. Yeah, plenty of people, I'm sure, are just like, that looks cool, and they'll run up to an edge, and they're, I mean, on the ground, it looks like people have taken their little side routes all over the place, mm-hmm. so it, we did, of course, um, eventually find the marker and head back up, but not after going off the road a couple times, but um, there was a point there where this huge kind of snowfall was melting and had obscured the road and we could see the marker far far up there but of course this was an area that had a bunch of different rocks and loose gravel and we were scurrying up this thing behind a couple other people that had gone up there and again you're so focused on climbing that you forget where you are and you forget what's behind you or around you and we made it up across that area and we turned another corner and again we we reached an area that was a little bit flat so we could turn back around and see it and at this point 
We had climbed maybe at least two-thirds of the way up the mountain. To one side, we could see a whole stretch of rhyolite cliffs, ones that were obscured by the gray mountain before, ones that we couldn't see. Onto another side, we could see that valley again from a higher perspective. Um, everything, you know, is, it's really strange. As you climb higher, you forget how vast, like, the landscape mm -hmm. can be in Iceland. Mm -hmm. There are hardly any trees. The atmosphere goes forever. We've talked about that, you know, before. But it's strange. Um, I've I've never been on many mountains, even though I like to read about them. I mean, Chris, you go skiing. What was this like for you? Was this a, a totally different... Yeah, I mean, this is totally different. I mean, I've, I've skied in the Rockies and the Canadian, uh, like up in Whistler and stuff like that. And I mean, that's like mountain, mountain ranges. This is much different. It's almost like being in a weird alien desert or something. Um, and the mountains are less of mountains, but more of kind of like cliffy dunes. Like, like very soft looking. Yeah, very soft. Um, and they, they had snow kind of filling in crevices mm -hmm. on them, but they weren't like peaked with snow or anything like that. Um, the mountain, and then the hills themselves were kind of, I guess if they were a color, they were probably like a creamy color, but then they had greens and reds and all sorts of different colors. Um, and I guess that's why they're called the painted mountains or whatever, but they, you know, there's no real rhyme or reason that I can see of why they're colored the way they are. So, I mean, I wouldn't even compare it to a mountain range. It, they were giant hills and mountains and things like that, but they, they were not like a typical mountain. They were not right. craggy. They were not... Um, they were right. very soft. Peaked. Yeah, right. they were soft. They, they were, were like... They're like and the they just repeated really quickly, um, if that makes sense. It was kind of like one after yeah. another. So it kind of made a texture of all of these It really was like if back. you just poured piles of colorful sand in a pile, and it would pile exactly like that. They're like a, a real triangle or pyramid shape. Where it's just like a very small peak and then it all falls down from there. And that's interesting because we have just being to Bryce Canyon and Zion and having seen things that are like iterative shapes like that, but completely different ones. You know, all the hoodoos in Bryce Canyon are all orange and striped and, you know, crazy. And they all kind of look the same because of wind erosion. I figure this is the same except for this maybe is wind plus water erosion, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. very, very soft. So... We kept climbing. We actually made it all the way to the very, very top where we walked up there. There were a couple other people up there. We walked all the way to, the, to like, the point, and, you know, we weren't on the edge, but we were on the highest point at the top, and you could see 360 degrees around you, and it was one of those moments where not only were we out of breath and we could feel our hearts pounding, but it was also one of those moments where you... You feel triumphant in some ways. You feel, like, awestruck. You feel just it's in, incredulous, you know? And like, I can't even describe it. And, you know, some anybody else who has climbed something and can look at, at that far away and have that much visibility and see that much stuff, it really is a very cool feeling. And so we looked on, you know, looked there for a while, sat down on a rock and ate our weird snacks, you know. I decided that for whatever reason I was going to eat an entire apple, including the core, which <laughs> I ate the stem and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> but I felt accomplished. And then we got back up after, you know, kind of celebrating the moment and then headed back down. So the down 
slope was hard. I would even say it was harder than the upslope. It was definitely harder. When you're walking downhill, your knees have a lot of stress on them, even if you have poles to help you or whatever, and you're, you're trying to place your feet so you don't slide to your doom, you know? You're trying to kind of do it, at, you know, kind of shuffle to the side, try and figure out, tack your foot around. But it was a really long descent. Um, we made our way all the way down very, very slowly and very carefully, and you know, of course, the landscape changed. It was really interesting, and and finally made our and way. And we went down a, a different way, so we didn't yeah. go the same way we came up. We went down. We were doing like a circle. Yeah, we went a, a large circular path. There's like three sizes of paths. Like there's sort of an easy little small one, and then a pretty intense medium one, and then a really big, big one that would take you like a long time. Like a million years. Um. So we did the medium one, and so it left instead of you know we came through the lava field and then up the up the mountain and stuff and then you go down the mountain and through sort of a grassy field and that's the way we were going back the grassy field was really cool we finally reached the bottom of the mountain and we were going through it and it was wet it was wet and there was snow melt everywhere and there was actually like hot water coming up out of the earth in places and the moss that was growing there like the plants that were growing there were just a vibrant green you know just like a neon green um we went through that for a while and, and came out the other side and had to go through the, the rocky, jaggedy um, lava flows again until we came back finally to the end of our trip. And by then, of course, we were tired and it had been maybe three and a half hours or four hours or so. And we kind of took our time going through there. But upon like cresting the ridge and looking ba- back down at base camp, it really was interesting. Did you have a different experience when you looked down at base camp? Did you feel any different about it than you did when you were down at the um, bottom? I mean, it was nice to see it, I guess. I was like, oh, good, we're back. Here's base camp, just because um, it was a really long hike. And it was, I mean, it's not like the hardest hike in the world, but it is much harder than most hikes, and it is much more dangerous. I mean, if this was an American park or something, some of those areas wouldn't have been accessible because mm-hmm. they were like... You know, they're not maintained. They are really steep. They're really um, crumbly. The, um, pieces fall apart right under your feet and things like that. Um, so uh, I'm just glad that, I don't know, it's not like I thought we were going to die, but when I saw it, I was like, okay, nobody got hurt, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It's rough trekking through Also, I, you didn't mention things. it, but there has been a constant influx and outflux of ambulances this entire time. I feel like, though, Chris, I feel like, I feel like they just stay there. Yeah, but they've been moving past us. Yeah, constantly. With the like on. they keep driving past us in our camper. Um, and then when we were also heading up, there was an ambulance there who was trying to jump his engine because it wouldn't start, and we're like, "Oh, good. Let's hope we don't need that ambulance." Yeah. <laughs> well, I can imagine, like we were talking about, like trying to find the markers on the trail. I can imagine it is easy to keep going in the wrong direction and so i'm sure they're just trying to like help people get get back to where they need to go but i don't know looking down at base camp and i said this to you guys in the car as we were leaving like it's it's funny because we it took us hours of driving to get there and hours of driving to get out of there and hours (laughs) there putting our tent together and hiking and things like that and it is like 
walking up that hill and looking back out at like the landscape it was a rewarding like process and a rewarding journey like it it took us all the effort and all the people there too like all the people who ventured or drove their car through a giant lake to get to that point to experience that it was really cool so I don't know I, f- I feel different I don't think they're just there for kicks you know they want to see the landscape so I think I it was it. good I mean yeah. I, the reason why I asked you guys how you felt about seeing base camp again is that like my first thought about base camp was like oh great a, a chunk of people and then when I came back over the hill I was like we are looking at like a beautiful sight like for whatever reason I felt like looking down was actually really comforting and seeing all those people was like really nice mm-hmm. and I don't know why I changed my mind about that but I think it was actually almost like a community of people that were trying to experience the same thing instead of just a bunch of whoever's mm-hmm. and regardless of whatever it is it was actually really nice to come back down mm-hmm. So we went back down and we washed all of our dishes from eating in the camper and um, sat for just a second before deciding that we were going to go out. Um, And of course we knew we had a long drive ahead of us. And so we um, said goodbye to Land Manilogger (laughs) after asking for some patches from the lady (sighs) with the headband who looked at us like we were, I was like, a patch, like the one on your jacket. She's like, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So no patches for us. <laughs> no Yet. no achievement. Yeah. So but uh we got on the road again and what was interesting is the way out was way less interesting than the way in. Yeah, to we took a different way out and it was kind of the easier way. Um I, I guess think it, it was, was going was it going north? It was route uh two oh eight north. Okay, yeah. Out of so land Manilogger. The way in was beautiful with nonstop excitement with vistas and rivers and like changing landscapes and things and the way out was a really bumpy gravel road like Forever. incredibly bumpy yeah with nothing but also just pure black, black nothing but on the way in it was black crazy rocks doing amazing things and this was just like if all those rocks crumbled into dirt and then kind of had piles but not really and it was just like <laughs> and looked pointy enough to shred your tires maybe and yeah. then also, like, somebody had ran over it with tank treads, and so we were constantly bumping around so in So to get out, it still, it still took a while, maybe an hour or two? Yeah, it took a while, but it, it was a lot shorter than the way in. And I think we were thankful for that, because even though it was beautiful coming in, I think we were ready to, to get back on the road. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, you know, we knew that most of the t- most of today was going to be spent at Landman and Lager, and, you know, with, with our Iceland trips we always kind of assume that the day is going to be packed with running around and like finding stuff and exploring and things like that but we didn't leave until about 5 p.m and as we got back on the road i mean there's not that much left of the day so we ended up going as far as we could and so we stopped at a couple places just to to try and find a coffee jenny and i were in our (laughs) coffee finding mission and um let me actually let me let me get this straight not coffee or cappuccinos. Yes. Because we are snobs and we need cappuccinos yes. to survive. We Any s- espresso drinks you guys yes. are looking for? Even out of a machine. We stopped at one place and a man said, only coffee. And then we slowly backed away. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, oh. I see. I, let me think. And then we <laughs> ran away. And so we ended up, uh, we ended up just kind of going. 
And um, what's interesting is on the way back, we passed through or we passed through the area that holds the Golden Circle. And we've been there before. And we, we took people in the residency to the Golden Circle. And there's beautiful things over there, like Geyser and Golfoss and Thingvellir. But we took some of the side roads this time, places that we hadn't been to. And so I'll, on our way to not only look for a suitable campsite for tonight, but also to get a little bit further up the coast towards the West Fjords, we stopped at Fluther and a couple other tiny towns, tried to find our coffees, finally found one. And then ended up somehow driving past, um, it's the first time I've ever seen this, but one of those machines that puts hay bales into marshmallows marshmallows <laughs> shapes. And, and, it, and Jenny likened it to like a big spider. Like, oh yeah, it, it's sort of, I don't know if any of you guys have seen this before, but it, there's a small platform that holds the hay barrel on wheels that rotates it around and then two spindles on the side that rotate around the hay barrel to wrap it all in like a giant saran wrap as it's rotating in this machine. And it looks identical to when a spider sort of wraps its prey. If you've ever seen it like sort of spinning in a circle all at once, it looked the same. And I was like, whoa, nature in this hay barrel machine is the same. <laughs> and so we stared at it and drove past. And then a half an hour later, we took a turn and we were like, wait a second. We saw it again. And we all stared at it. And we went, wait a second. Are we looking at the same one? And then I looked at my map. And then we looked at the hay. <laughs> and I was like, how did this happen? How did we go in a circle? And we ended up getting lost somewhere for a second and then we kept going and of course we ran into another one which thankfully was a different different person wrapping their hay at nine at night for no reason and we ended up going as far as we could and we got over to the Thingvellir area where Chris took a couple photos and we stopped and um, walked around for just a second and as we were headed out of there we saw a sign that um, I think it was called what was it called? It was like Oxa... Oh. It was like Oxa Foss. Oh, yeah. That is exactly what it was called. And we're like, I wonder what that is. Because it was just, I don't know, just a quarter mile away from the stop that we usually take. But we usually turn around. And so we stopped the car and we ran out and it was dusk and it was getting dark. And we went through a gate and read a little tiny plaque that said that there were a ton of, of these cairns that had... You know, you know what I'm talking about, like the the rocks that are piled up in like a little pyramid shape. Yeah. And there was a sign that said that those were some of the oldest ones, and they were used to to notate like where points of interest were for travelers. And so it's the first time I've ever seen them protected like that because you see them all over Iceland. These just piles of rocks, and you can never tell if they were there forever, or if they're or if somebody just made them or a tourist. Yeah. 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 The first time we came here, I thought that they were all, like... Made by tourists. Yeah, I thought that was, like, a thing. Well, I thought... Well, the first time they came here, I thought they weren't made by tourists. I thought they were, like, weird artifacts all over the place. But who knows now, you know? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mix of both, probably. Yeah. And it, we walked past them anyway. We descended down into one of the cracks near Thingvellir, and there was, like, a big, awesome, like, stone bridge. And we followed it as long as we could, but there... Um, we could only go so far before turning around. But it was great. I mean, you know, Thingvellir, again, is where the two tectonic plates are coming apart, and it's just beautiful. You know, these two giant cliffs along either side of you with a path. So, 
unfortunately, we had to get back in the car and, and head somewhere, and we did, and now we're here. Yeah, and today we, you know, we didn't stop at a million places, but the drive itself was... Gorgeous. It was gorgeous, epic, yeah. yeah. It was, you know, it's, it's a little bit less extreme than the south Iceland, where there's, like, crazy waterfalls everywhere and glaciers and everything like that. But, it's, like, more picturesque But and it's greener. more, yeah, picturesque and pastoral and, and kind of like that. But it was, like, just giant sweeping vistas just full of amazing stuff. So I, I really enjoyed, like, getting off the path but exploring a similar area. And at twilight, it's it's amazing. And, and twilight lasts forever because it, it, <laughs> the sun doesn't set until midnight or so. It's right. And, the, and the, the crazy part was, and I forgot to mention it, but the best part of that drive was your Mexicooster binge. <laughs> I did have a Mexicooster binge. We're eating all sorts of weird leftovers now, but no, that was a pretty good part. Actually, maybe the, this isn't the best part, but it's, it's a great part of it is that probably about 45 minutes ago we we drove directly through a cloud we yeah. did we directly through a cloud it was about 10 feet above us above the van for miles and we could see it and it was just like this blanket covering everything you know we were next to this mountain and it was just like a just like a little layer over everything that looked very soft you know, and every now and again, like a little plume would come down and nestle in the valley next to us, and it was really neat. I mean, it was just unreal. And so now we're we're in our funny parking spot. Um, we found a camp, and the camp is my favorite camp compared to yesterday's camp, where I did not like the setup. <laughs> <laughs> and by setup, you mean facilities? Yeah, I don't facilities. know what you mean. I. Yeah, I, I did not like the facilities of the last one. Okay. It was basically like being in prison. <laughs> what? <laughs> anyway, this, the this comparison, one, this one's charming. This and one's a like a charming cute spa. couple own it. Yeah, yeah, a cute little couple own it, and they came out even though we pulled up here at, what, 11? Yeah. 11.30 or something? Yeah. Um, and we pulled up, and then they came out, and they said, you can park in back, and, and there's a, they have a little wooded area. Um and there's other people camping back here, um, and they have a shower. They have Christmas lights with geothermal water that comes out. Jenny apparently couldn't figure out how to get it to work, but it, <laughs> it, Lin, for Lindsay and I, it was scalding hot. It was and amazing. It, and it has one of those like rainforest uh, kind of like giant oversized shower heads that come directly what was your, on top the hose? of you. <laughs> No, it was one of those, but it was it was Jenny quite was like a Jenny. like a person with a with a water pitcher. <laughs> She's like, this is a shower, but it's just a creeper with a water pitcher <laughs> pouring <laughs> orange juice. <Okay. laughs> the other cool thing, though, is it's outside. Like they're kind of they have walls around them, but it's outside. So we were showering in these geothermal showers with an open sky. With an open sky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At like. Nice. Right at right when it got dark out, and it, so it was like you, you can still see a little bit, but it was pretty dark and yeah. really cool. You know, I had really my cool. like iPhone light on because I couldn't see in there, you know. And then I bent over to pick something off the ground and realized that if anybody was looking over there, <laughs> like that, I probably just flashed every single person in the universe because the, the door on it was like, uh, like waist height. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I was like, whoops! <laughs> but it's a good thing we're in a wooded tree area. It's yeah, weird. it's nice. Yeah. Also, the people that own this are adorable. The lady was holding, like, a bundle of plants that she probably just picked from her garden. She probably and did. the man was wearing jogging shorts and smoking <laughs> at, like, 11 p.m. Yeah. Really cute. It was, it's really cute. And so here we are. We've got night two in our camper van. We have our garbage all around us. Um, last night was kind of cold. Um, Jenny, how'd you like sleeping in that thing last night? It worked out okay. I couldn't tell if I was really hot or really cold. Were you doing like, jumping jacks up there? Because every yeah. time, <laughs> every no. time you would move, the the whole van would crinkle around. Yeah, I think it was the same. If I if you guys moved around, I could feel the whole thing shaking too. But I think a lot of it was the wind. Oh yeah. This morning, my whole tent was blowing away. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's really oh. spacious up there. I peeked it at is. it today. It's very nice. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be an adventure. I'm excited. Um, tomorrow, our plan is to try and make it as close to um, the West Fjords as possible. Jenny's never been there. Mm-hmm. I think I'm excited. We're gonna we're gonna try it. We're gonna see how far we get. So we'll see how that goes. But all in all, today was an adventure. I really enjoyed going to Land Manilogger. I would recommend it. I don't think it. I don't think that trek was too hard for people. No, I thought it was awesome. The drive might be. The drive yeah. is hard. Yeah. But the well, the I guess trek if you is... if you came in the easy way, it's not that hard. That's true. Or, if you came in via two hundred eight, it is yeah. not very. The other the drive did. was amazing. Like every moment of it was exciting and beautiful, and then but it was also a possibility Scary. of wrecking your car forever. So yeah, that's yeah. the that's the risk. Yeah. <laughs> It is true, and hopefully so- someday we'll have some photos that you guys can take a look at, but um, it was really cool. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll we'll continue our um, Iceland Diaries tomorrow, once you know where we went and what happened. But for now, I think we're going to bed. Night. Night. Today is Saturday... August 8th, and we're sitting right outside the Flokalunder restaurant um, in a small campgrounds on the outskirts of the, the tiny, tiny town. I'm kind of imagining this might even be the town. Out the window we see a small gift shop, a tiny restaurant, like, I don't know, a handful of cars, a brown thing, and... <laughs> and the ocean. And the ocean, I guess, to the other side, and a swarm of gnats. Also, the door is open. That's because we just had a gas leak. Yeah, I know. It smells like gas in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> we're cooking dinner. We're cooking dinner. And we had a malfunction with our... Gas stove, canister. And uh, the gas canister straight out, sprayed all over, but the, <laughs> there must not be too much gas because we're not on fire. Which is a good thing. So... Uh, we spent most of the day today trying to get to the West Fjords, and it's been an awesome scenic drive. Uh, plenty of time has been spent in the car. I pulled out my sketchbook a couple times. We sang a lot of songs. And in fact, um, Marcus and Martinez showed up again, <laughs> <laughs> as always. And we are um, now, I think, at our final destination for the night. Jenny's tent is popped, and we're, we're just going to hang out, play Netrunner, and uh, eat some food. Mm-hmm. You know? So... We started our day with plenty of coffee, though, which was, I think, well, ne- well needed. Double, yeah, well, it took dose. us a while to find it. It took us probably an hour or two to find a gas station that even had coffee. It's true. Well, I mean, they've got coffee, but they don't have cappuccinos. Yeah, which is totally different. Totally they don't have different. Snob coffee. Come on. No, Chris. no, no. I told Chris it's because 
Regular coffee's bad for your teeth. So I said drink. <laughs> I, I that, told her to drink it with a straw. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's so acidic. Oh, well, but if you drink it with a straw, it goes right past your yes, teeth. Yes, yeah, and then you burn your nose. Are more delicious. They are more delicious. They're way more delicious. Anyway, we found a bunch. You guys must have drank like ten. No, <laughs> between us, we I think we drank four. You had a yes, double. Yes, so and that you had a double. Too. Okay, fine. Well, it does, apparently caffeine doesn't work on me because I dozed off a couple times in the car, but. We had a, a pretty good adventure. We're finally, finally in the West Fjords. We kind of blew past a bunch of stuff, but um, I think we decided today that we might actually just stay in the West Fjords. I'm not sure. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it seems like so far we're kind of doing a more deep dive of the West Fjords. Who, who knows what we'll find if we actually look a little bit harder at yeah. the stuff we're on. But I here. think, yeah, we're just playing it by ear, but yeah, we didn't make it too far in the West Fjords because we spent a lot of time running around. Yeah, we did. So, uh, besides all the coffee that we got, um, we ended up um, actually stopping for our last coffee at the place where um, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty was filmed, at least a yes. piece of it. Yes. And so, it was interesting because that place, for whatever reason, was dressed up like a Papa John's. I've never seen the <laughs> movie. But they had all these photos from the movie on the wall, and I was like, wait a second. And, of course, I recognize Ben Stiller. You're like, there's no Papa John's. We were sitting there, and it was actually probably the best coffee that I've had in a long time. Yeah, Even, it was very good. Yeah. You also got a bread there that was you fell in love with. Yes, and it's over there, and I might eat it in a little bit. But um, I saw the mountain that was in the movie where he gets a text yep. message or something like that. Yep. The only reason why I know is because the text message was on the mountain. <laughs> and I saw it in the picture, but then I looked out the window, and it was right there. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm. So... And then uh, a couple other pictures of the transformed coffee shop were there, too. So someday I'll have to watch it. Jenny says it's a nice movie. It is a nice movie. So on Iceland Air, on the way over here, they have all Icelandic and travel and exploring-related movies. So I watched The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, and it was fantastic. Oh, you just watched it it on the way here? Yeah. Oh, I thought you saw it a long time ago. Oh, no, no, no. I watched it on the way here, and I recognized lots of places, and it was really cute. And then she reenacted the entire movie in the car for us. Yes. (laughs) No, she didn't. Oh, oh, yeah, you did. Okay. Except for the part that he got on a skateboard and skateboarded through the entirety of Iceland. What? (laughs) Yep. Is that real? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That seems like a Ben Stiller thing. So... Um, but we ended up, I think, uh, and I don't know where this was, but I do recall it with my, my photographic memory and also this beautiful drawing that I made. We saw two really old men today wearing the same hat and their hat was a, it was a brim with a triangle on top. An isosceles triangle. An isosceles triangle that was made out of leather. And so (laughs) it was the best thing I've ever seen and I drew a tiny picture of it to remind me and here it is. You can't see it. Also, there were several people eating giant pieces of cake. That were like, like the same a. size as that guy's hat. Actually, yes. yeah, they were the same size as his hat. I'm jealous now at, that I want yeah, that cake. Yeah, at 11 a.m. It was shocking. It was shocking. And so the whole world is filled with chocolate cake and all sorts of, like, whatever else that they have. Iceland does not mess around with their cake portions. No, they don't. They give you, like, a big old chunk of cake. It's probably one-eighth of an entire, like, like five-story cake. Like a baby's torso-sized cake. And then they cake. give you enough... <laughs> and then they give you whipped cream to, like, real whipped cream, like, cream cream whipped cream that could, like, cover your entire sexy body. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> what? Gross. So... <laughs> 
So anyway, we ended up finally going and pulling into the West Fjords around 530. And um, we stopped at somebody's driveway because it, it had been a long drive. It's funny because, you know, half of the entrance is a dirt road and then it ends up being a paved road after a while and we were really thankful but because we had been sitting in the car forever that we stood at the top of somebody's driveway and did a bunch of stretches and then got really embarrassed when they pulled out of their driveway and drove past us and we were still standing there (laughs) and we ended up uh getting back in the van and around seven o'clock was our first real stop and chris pulled off to the side of the road and we were on the side of a fjord that looked down upon like a, a bunch of tide pools, a ton of different kelp and seaweed and plants all growing out of like the sandy beach over there. And the one thing that caught my eye as we were shuffling down like the side of a, a little hill to get to the bottom was that some of the, the plants were the most amazing pastel colors. They were like a seafoam green blue color. Um, and also an icy purple. Mm-hmm. And then in the very center, it also had like a very light pastel, like Easter yellow and, and sort of like a peachy pink. And so it was an entire rainbow in a plant. Yeah, it's it, very like iridescent depending on how you're looking at it. Almost frosty, you mm-hmm. know, like kind of kind of opalescent looking. And the whole entire sandbar was covered with them. And so depending on which area you would see, you would see like, you know, a splash of blue and then... The closer you got, the more you could see all the colors. And the funny thing is, um, the rest of the beach was covered in kelp. It had all sorts of different kinds of plant life on it that had washed in from the sea. We saw a sea sponge. We saw a couple jellyfish. There were tons of tiny little shells. As you bent down, you actually looked at the sand. Most of the sand was just, like, tiny oyster shells or, you know, mussels, barnacles, little snail shells of all of these different colors, like a tiny rainbow. And so it was probably one of my favorite things to do. I mean, just in life, is just to sit and look at the tiny bits of Mm -hmm. of stuff around us. And so I got a couple of photos of that, and we filled our pockets with snail shells. And Jenny's are in a plastic bag now because she was worried (laughs) she picked up some live ones. (laughs) I was, so super worried. Yeah, but they're really pretty. So tiny, minuscule shells, like little snail shells. And so what did you do when we were there? Did you just walk around? Um, I was mainly looking for barnacles. <laughs> <laughs> for any reason or just because? Um, they were just cool. I don't know. They were very... Barnacly? Yeah, well, they were like pure white and they would be on black rocks. So, um, and they were really small. So I was um, taking some like macro photography of barnacles hanging out with kelp around it and stuff like that. And so I think uh, it was really pretty cool to see all that stuff. Um, the beaches that we've been to haven't had a lot of life on them, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did see a seal at one point. Right. Which was but cool. But we haven't seen, like, this beach is sort of in a harbor area or sort of an inlet from the well, rest we're in of the, the fjord, area. so it's in yeah, one of the yeah. inner parts of the yeah, fjord. Yeah, so this seemed to have a lot of stuff that was washing up on the shore. It was ton like, I... I felt like all I was doing was standing on shells. Like, I couldn't help well, it. Was it, low, was so it must have been low tide because there's tons of kelp that is alive. Mm-hmm. And it's momentarily... It's momentarily out of the water, but it's, you know, it's still very much alive and very yeah. um, kind of voluptuous. Yeah, I mean, there was a ton of it everywhere. Mm-hmm. I I loved the colors. I mean, there was, there was just so many different colors all over the place. So... 
We ended up getting back in the car after a little bit and then heading a little bit more north. And so we stopped, um, like, alongside of the road because we saw a tiny sign. And again, like we said earlier in the podcast, that you see these pound signs and then there are all these different things. You can never tell what they are. So this time we pulled off the side of the road and we were Jenny and I were wearing flat shoes, which is a mistake <laughs> anywhere in Iceland. But we got out of the car and ran down the hill to a tiny path that led up to a bunch of, of uh, caves. Um, these caves, of course, harbored one of like the Icelandic saga's main characters You know, in, in one of the stories as a bunch of people were looking for him. Um, mm-hmm. And he hu- he huddled down in this tiny little cave with a very small entrance, probably big enough for, I don't know, me or Jenny to mm-hmm. kind of squeeze into. But then it opened up into like a... A bigger area. A room. Like yeah. a little yeah. room. One and of so, the caves was actually like a, below the ground. Um, Chris squatted down into it and could see that it opened up to, into a bigger cavern. And it was it's interesting thinking that anybody would hide in there because I feel like you get instantly claustrophobic. But I yeah. suppose if some people were hunting you, you'd probably go anywhere just, yeah. to, <laughs> just to escape them. But it was interesting. We took the path up and saw some other caves that were hollowed out. And it really made me think about, you know, how often people used caves for dwellings or for possessions or for hiding stuff. Or I don't even know what they used it for. But there were so many of them in that area that mm-hmm. we kind of poked around in there for a little bit and then got back in the car. So the last thing that we went to today was probably the coolest thing. And so when Jenny pulled us over, <laughs> we were like, sure, time for a hike. Why not? And we had actually turned the van around just yeah. to see what it was. But I wasn't really sure what it was. From the side of the road, it just had an image of a person walking, sort of like a crosswalk sign. And there wasn't really an official sign. Most of them I would expect something bigger or grander to, like, note people off the side of the road. Well, usually they have the pound sign yeah. point of interest. This one didn't even have that. Yeah. It just had a trail. It had nothing. But I saw, like, a tiny glimpse of a waterfall, and we we pulled right in. And we walked up this giant trail um, up a gravel road until we found the markers for the trail, which led us to the most amazing waterfall. Um, The water was cascading over five or six different falls into bright blue pools of water. Um, All of the rock around that area was it was very clean rock and so the Mm -hmm. water itself was not murky or anything it was absolutely crystal clear and you could see to the bottom of each of the pools um the rocks themselves were really interesting and at the beach we had found um similar kinds of things but a lot of the rocks here actually have crystals in them Mm -hmm. and so even the the rocks that were around the pools were just speckled with bright white crystals. And so some of them that had broken open, you could see like each of the crystal formations growing along the inside. Other ones had been washed over a little bit, and so they were smooth. But it was just glittering with crystals and with um, bright blue water. And it was amazing because we were the only people there. So we took the trail up a little bit further where we clambered over the rocks up to the next set of falls, and then the next, and then the next. And the whole entire way we were there, we were just amazed that nobody else was sharing this experience with us. And I think that's one of the benefits about going to the West Fjords is that um, it's just you and the wilderness and maybe a car every now and again, or maybe a person. So 
Um, we stayed there for a while. Uh, I, of course, got way close to the ground and looked at all the crystals and all the plants and looked at the, how like the mist was creating all these different kinds of clusters of plants growing out of the cracks in the rocks. And then you guys scurried up the side of, a, mm-hmm. of the waterfall. What yeah. did you think about that? Um, I just thought it was really cool how this waterfall worked because it, it cascaded and each cascade, um, the water was actually fairly still between it kind of somehow. There was like pools. Um, yeah, there was pools and there was a lot of rocks that popped out. So you could like walk anywhere. And I would walk like out across the actual falls because there was these big rocks and you could kind of like hop and skip around, even though it was like a 30 foot fall or, or more off the off the end of it or whatever. It was still like safe and, and there was very clear footing. It wasn't like nobody made the footing but they weren't slick right. it was they weren't wet. slick they were like smooth rocks it's obvious that the waterfall used to be bigger or something because the rocks were kind of smoothed out mm-hmm. they weren't like jagged they were but they just had like nice surfaces so i felt like you could really get anywhere so if you're like oh that's a really cool part you could like figure out a way to walk there yeah it was really really exciting that was the first time we sort of got to be in the center of a waterfall and also I mean, this place especially, we know it's been here for a long time, and a couple of the markers that are the traditional ways of marking a point of interest with like a pile of rocks and a pyramid shape. And so there's a couple of those around, but the trail really did, like there were markers that led you all the way up into the falls, um, which made you feel okay about walking around in there. It was great. I mean, and, and besides that, it, you know, just that whole entire area was covered in blueberries. You know, it was absolutely picturesque and just a, a really great experience to, to have that all to yourself. So we ended up um, sort of calling it a night and driving our van back over to this campgrounds. Well, before that, we were going to camp there. We were. We're oh, like, yeah. this is the perfect place to camp. No one's around. There's this beautiful pool. I was actually going to go swimming in the the calm areas of the waterfall tomorrow. Just in the, as a wake up thing, I guess, sure, or as right? a, yeah. you know, not really a shower, but as a morning plunge. So we were all set, and we were going back to the car, and we were like, "We're not sure you can camp here, but probably like, who's going to stop us, right?" And then, just as we five said minutes that. after that, we're like, "Someone is coming in here." Oh no, we're not going to. We're going to have this beautiful moment spoiled by another tourist or whatever. But it was a park ranger. <laughs> and then we're like, oh. We're like, uh, and then we're like, get in the car and pretend to read a map. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> then we spread the map out in its biggest it was, form it was and like flapped a, it around. It was like a spy movie where there's somebody sitting on the park bench reading a paper and then like being like, Whoop, There was a tiny eye it. hole through the map where it peeked at the park ranger. And oh, they yeah. didn't say anything to us, but then we decided to go back and check. And, and sure, sure enough, enough, there was like a tiny little, probably like three inch by three inch like camping symbol with a cross through it and then we're like oh Uh, so then we drove up probably i don't know a mile up the road to where we are right now and we're like oh how great a campground (laughs) a free one that's so nice and then uh as we were we're out here a swarm of gnats showed up (laughs) like 40 billion gnats they're trying to get into our lungs just flying around our heads um Jenny and Chris ended up like taking down or putting up, I guess, yeah. Jenny's tent that sits on the top of our van in like four seconds. Yes, it was, it was the, the fastest. fastest thing we've ever done. Yeah. We're getting really good at it, though. We've done it a few times now. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it was so fast. It was so fast. And they jump back in here, and then Chris is like, Someone's coming, you guys. And it was the Another person. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, Did you pay? And we're like, Uh. So. 
I don't think we were trying to scam the man in this for any reason. No, no. We just thought, oh, how pleasant. A nice a nice campground. So you just park our car. Oh, right on here. the side of the road. I mean, you can see the passing traffic and stuff. So we thought, there's a campground up the hill. And we're like, we're not going to go there. We're just going to park right here. Yeah, why would but we do that? But I guess this is part of the campground, too. I suppose so. But there is a bathroom and a sink right next door. So Which is pleasant. I guess that's good. And a soccer yeah. field. Yeah. Oh, a, tiny, a tiny, like, ramshackle one. Oh, it's like four feet by five yeah, feet. Yeah, it's like some ancient soccer things that are put like ten feet apart. But oh. Well, in any case, we're excited to end our night a little bit early so we can play games, eat food, yeah. and just enjoy that each other's perfect. company. So um, we will see what we can see tomorrow. We're going to take it easy, um, head into the West Fjords a little bit further, and then hopefully stumble upon some cool stuff tomorrow. So have a nice night. Thanks for listening. I want to remind everyone that they can contact us always by emailing us at podcast at likegrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at likegrayartlab. You can like us on Facebook. Stay up to date there. You can follow us on Tumblr, likegrayartgallery.tumblr.com. And you can subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Even at that speed, there was it. points where it was just like, it felt like the car was about to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the car was about to fall apart. I really have to pee so bad, it's coming out my eyes. <laughs> Do something in your mind. I, I mouth it. She just mouths you to go to the bathroom. Are you going like right outside? I, I, where are you going? I have to go. Where are you going? Though? I don't know.